Great. Thank you. Okay. Well, I hope we heard that clearly. If we could have the PowerPoint up, that would be very helpful. Um, the theme for this morning is this, the simple gospel. Uh, this phrase uh, came to my attention from uh, a song by a band called United Pursuit, who've released an album called The Simple Gospel. And it landed with me, because I don't know about you, but somehow the gospel has sometimes ended up being quite complicated. I mean, when I got born again, it was simple. And then as the years have gone by and I've learned more, it's somehow accumulated complexity. And uh, yet the gospel that saved us is the same gospel that we follow uh, throughout our lives to understand more about God and his dealings with us. So I thought it would be helpful at the start of the year to come back to a simple gospel message. And the first part of it is this. Very, very simply, Christ died. Here's a quote from 1 Corinthians, Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. He said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul puts the focus straight on to Jesus on the cross. I want to ask the question, why? Why? Why is the cross of Christ so important? Well, it's recorded for us, this event of Jesus' death, in all four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Mark's Gospel, it says this, that uh, they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, which is something to take away pain, but he didn't take it, and they crucified him. It was the third hour when they crucified him. And at the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. That's from uh, midday until about 3 p.m. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now, leave him alone. Let's see. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he says. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple, this heavy curtain that separated people from the very presence of God, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's the event. It's a powerful event. What does it mean? What does it mean for us today? Well, I'd like, I'd like a few volunteers aged 7 to 11. I need four volunteers. Oh, uh, you're not aged 7 to 11. Uh, I was going to say Rachel, but two Rachels put up their hands, and one of them is. So Rachel Larkin, come on down. <laughs> Have you got any friends? <laughs> oh, Lois, there we go. Yeah, Jez, great. And I need one more. This will only work with four. Catherine, you are not 7 to 11. I know you like, no, I don't know what you like. Okay, I need one more. There must be another one. Joy, yeah, brilliant, come. All right, I'd like 
Jez, could you just come over here and stand at the top, please, and just look, you know, kind of like strong and wise. Is that all right? Yeah, you don't have to try too hard. You're doing really great. That's fine. Now, could you all, could you all just pretend to be friends going on a little walk for us, please? Just enjoying time. Going, and could that little walk take you up the ramp and onto the stage? That'd be very helpful. That's fine. Keep going, keep going. Come around and up onto the stage. Friends going out for a little walk. But as you go for a walk, curiosity overtakes you. Behold, what is this over here? And you have a little wander and you go in being curious people. That's right. Only to find yourselves now in prison. Oh, dear. I've got some chains here. It's a little bit Christmas carol-like. Jacob Marley. I'm sorry. You were just going out for a walk. But I'm going to tie you all up because this is what's happened to you. It's not that cold. I could have got a metal one. There we go. All right. So you're all tied up in chains. Okay. Oh, there we go. I was going to say, are you feeling all right? But that's not the idea. Okay, don't worry too much. There we are. What a way to end a happy day. A little walk, go out for a little walk with your friends, end up a little bit of curiosity in prison. Well, um, just to make it clear, that's why I tied you up in chains, you, uh, you, really are, you really are stuck in there. This prison, by the way, is a prison that we all lead ourselves into. It's a prison called, you can say this after me, sin. It's a prison called sin. Oh dear. Oh, don't worry, because um, having thought about the game of Monopoly a little bit over Christmas, I have some get-out-of-jail cards. Isn't that helpful? So um, I'm going to give you these different cards. You can have that one, and you can have that one, and you can open it, but don't show anybody yet, and have a look. There's some get-out-of-jail cards. What I'd like to, you to think about is not all of these cards work. Some of them work. Actually, one of them works, and the others, the others don't work. So let's start, um, let's start with you, Joy. What does this one say on your get out of jail? You show everyone. Hold it up nice and high. Do you know what it says? It says, get out of jail free. Brilliant. That's a really good car to get, if only it works. I wonder if it will. What does yours say, Lois? There we go. Get out of jail by... What does it say? Get out of jail by hard work. Hmm. Not quite so exciting, but if it works, that'll be brilliant. I wonder what yours says, Rachel. What does it say? Ah, get out of jail by dying. Oh, no, you didn't get the best one there, did you? But do you know what? Let me give you a a few clues from the scriptures as to which of these get out of jail cards actually works. Uh, This is what it says in the Bible. Death came through sin. Death came to all people because all sinned. Your body is subject to death because of sin. That's in the book of Romans. And James 1 says, sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So there's a bit of a clue here. Of these three cards, we have a little vote. Uh, Which of these three cards do you think actually works to get you out of the prison of sin. Who thinks that getting out by hard work is a good get out of jail card? <laughs> you started doing KST. You shouldn't be. 
Um, no, no, so let's get rid of that one, because that, that, sadly, however hard you work, the nature of this prison, it, you can't get out of it by working hard. However clever you are, however much effort you put in, you can't get yourself out. What about this one? Could we just all forget about it? Say, oh, well, we've sinned, we're stuck there, but, but actually, you know what, let's just forget about it and go off for a walk on a different day and it'll all be okay. Does anyone think that this one would work? Just let's forget about it. No, no, it doesn't work either, does it? That's a bit sad. So there's only one left. Rach, great. So the, way, the only way that we can be free from being stuck in the prison, what the Bible describes as the bondage of sin, slavery to sin, uh, is through death. It's the only thing. Sin is so strong that it leads to death, and death is the only thing that would ever be enough to get us out. But that's not very good, is it? Because I'm sure you'd like to come out alive, would you? I'm sure you'd all like to come out alive. So, so dying in order to get out isn't really that much of a get-out-of-jail card after all. You only get to come out as a corpse, which isn't very helpful. This is why the death of Jesus is so important. Because do you know who you're going to get to be, Jez? I wonder if you can guess. Look, I've got a halo for you. There we go. Oh, hang on. Just a little bit of halo adjustment needed, ladies and gentlemen. I hadn't realized how big it would need to be. There we go. Let's try again. Enough glory. There it is. So come forward. Jez Jesus. Because what happens in Jesus dying is you can step forward. Come right to the front because we want to see you and your glowing sparkliness. Come right to the front. And you girls come back a little bit. What happened, the Bible tells us, oh, I'm going to undo this, okay. There we go. You're free. Oh, no, you're not. You're free. Look at that. You can go out. You can go out. That's good. And you can go out. And you can go out. There we go. You come into the middle, Jess. What happened when Jesus chose to die for us was he took on... There we go. There's quite a lot of change just for one boy here. This is going to take a little while. You don't have to die yet. It's all right. Please don't die whilst I'm leading the service. That would be really... There we go. Jesus came and took on being in... Don't take it off yet. He came and took on our punishment for sin, our death. He took on our bondage so that we might go free. That's what Jesus did... <laughs> <laughs> That's what you, you can go down. That's great. Thank you. You can stay there for just a minute because I like looking at you like that. <laughs> Do you understand? Do you see why people get so excited about what Jesus did for us? You can keep, so you can, you can keep your tongue in because I think, I think I've, we've seen enough of the tongue. That's, that's good. Thank you very much. Jesus died. The Bible says that Jesus died in our place so that a death took place that enabled us to go free. All right, Jez, you can sit down. Thank you very much. Everyone a round of applause who joined in. Excellent. This is what the New Testament actually says about uh, what Jesus did for us. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, those paths of righteousness that Al reminded us of. 
Uh, It says also in the New Testament, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin on our behalf. It says that Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. And Jesus himself said, referring to himself as the Son of Man, he said, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is what you might pay to kidnappers who've stolen someone in order for that person to be set free. The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why it matters. That's why the death of Jesus matters. And what we're going to do now, I said there'd be various opportunities to participate this morning. The next little opportunity that we have, it's actually a very significant opportunity. It's an opportunity to embrace this gift of life, this gift of freedom by breaking bread and sharing wine together. You know, when we take this bread and this wine, as we have here, uh, It's not just about eating and drinking. It's not just food and drink. It is food and drink, but it's more than that. Uh, By sharing in this bread and this wine, we proclaim Jesus' death until he comes. That's what the New Testament tells us. We proclaim his death by taking it and eating it, by taking it, and drinking it, we identify with the importance of Jesus' death to set us free. And we proclaim it. We make sure it doesn't get consigned to a chapter of history, but we continue to bring it to mind and to make it known in our lives and in the world. The New Testament also tells us that because many people eat from one loaf, and we have got just one loaf this morning that's going to serve all of us, because many people eat from one loaf, that proclaims that though we are many, we are one in Christ. Brothers and sisters, united in Christ, one body together with many parts. And so in taking this bread and this wine, we remember that we're not just here like Uh, people attending a concert or the theatre or something. We're brothers and sisters. We're family, and we choose to love one another. Our relationships matter. And we also remember through this that Jesus is with us. He's here with us now. I think I put all of these things. There we go. Through this bread and wine, we proclaim Jesus' death. We proclaim that we are one body and we proclaim that Jesus is with us. So to join in with this, to participate in this is a very clear statement of belief, of Christian belief. And it's good to stop and think about what we're doing. That's why Paul wrote to the church at Corinth that a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. What does it mean to examine ourselves? What does it mean to stop and think before we do this? Well, here's a few things. We might do well to ask ourselves, are there any sins that need to be forgiven? Are there any relationships to mend? Is there any grace that's needed in my life? 
just did this little thing here about sin being a prison. It's actually this place of sin. It's a place of, it's a place of condemnation. It's a place of bondage. It's a place of guilt and shame. That's what it's like to be here. Guilt and shame. But because of what Jesus has done in coming to take our place, we can be set free. And whatever sin there is in our lives, we're forgiven. Which means that the guilt is gone. And the shame is gone. And there's forgiveness and freedom. Freedom to lift our heads and thank God for what he's done in setting us free. To live for him. To live with righteousness. And so it's good for us as we remember what Jesus did on the cross through this bread and wine. Just to ask, is there anything I need to be forgiven for? Now sometimes those things are really sort of big and obvious. Uh, we've done something and we just felt awful the moment we did it. And ever since then, and it's, it's, it's hanging over us like a cloud and we know what it is in a moment. Sometimes there are things that just accumulate a little bit at a time. A little bit like you know, your arteries furring up over years. And actually it gets you to a place where you know, things are pretty dangerous for you now. But it, you did, it just kind of grew a bit at a time. And so sometimes the sin that encroaches on us is less obvious. There was no big moment, no big decision to do something stupid. But nonetheless, something's accumulated that is really quite dangerous. And, and not what God would have in our lives. I'm just going to read the list of things, uh, acts of the sinful nature, just to bring things to mind for us. This is from Galatians chapter 5. We normally read the bit afterwards about fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, and all those good things. But this is just to bring things into focus for us. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I don't know how many of those have been part of your life recently, but I know that none of us are free from the whole list. There's sin at work in us, and there are things that God wants us to repent of as we come to this bread and wine. Is there anyone, is there any relationship to men? You know, as we come to do this uh, as brothers and sisters, it doesn't make any sense to join together in, in the one loaf and to share the cup if there's someone else in the room that we're just really knocked off with. Someone that we, if we're honest, we really wish they weren't here. And so part of examining ourselves is maybe not just me and the Lord, but it might be that there's someone that as we share bread and wine, you need to sidle up to and say, I'm sorry. I think something's grown up between us that is a wall between us. It shouldn't be there as we do this, should it? And uh, by the grace of God, walls come tumbling down. And this thing about grace, you know, Uh, It's one thing to be forgiven, and then there's grace to live free. There's grace to live free, not just to be forgiven for the past, but receive grace for the future. So 
those are some of the things that we might like to think about. Now, we're here this morning with children aged four and upwards. And I know one of the questions that parents sometimes ask is, how does all of this work for the children? Is it right for them to join in? Children, maybe you ask this for yourselves. Can I? Can I have some of the bread, please? Can I have some of that drink, please? Well, here's how it works. Children can join in with this. We're not reserving this opportunity for people aged over 16 or something. Children can join in, but they should only join in if they can understand uh, that they want to benefit from Jesus' death on the cross. They should join in because they want not just something to eat, but they want to join in with saying something about what Jesus has done for them, want to join in with receiving. Now, depending on what age children are, they're not going to understand all of that. You're not going to have a five-year-old saying, I have examined myself. I repent of my sins. I must be reconciled to someone who stole my biscuits yesterday. <laughs> it's not going to work that way. But it is possible, even at quite a young age, to say, I know Jesus died for me. I want to say I'm sorry. And to take the bread and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And to take the wine and say, Jesus, thank you. So there's no age limit, but it does want to be done with understanding, thoughtfully. Parents... You need to make a judgment on this. You will know if your children are saying the right words in the hope of just getting something to eat. Uh, you need to make a judgment. Please, just, just don't let them eat out of hunger. If children grow up joining in with the bread and wine, eating it just because it's food, drinking it just because it's drink, they're going to find it very difficult to understand the importance of this when they grow up. So you're not really doing them a favor. A really simple answer if you're being nagged by your small child to please have something to eat is to have something nicer for them to eat instead. That helps a lot. So this morning, there's actually a tin of biscuits on the corner down here. And if you feel like our breaking bread with the smaller children in is... Uh, setting you up for hassle with your children, and maybe you've got snacks of your own, but you know, it's okay to take away the temptation from them to, to eat the bread just because they're hungry by giving them something else to eat instead. So there's a, there's a pile of biscuits on it. I know it looks like a box of chocolates. It's actually a box of biscuits. I'm sorry, Matt. Dad. So here we go. I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is the passage we read from most often when we break bread, because it's where Paul gave instructions about how this all works. And he wrote this, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in just a moment, I'm going to take the bread and break it as a reminder of Jesus' body being broken, and I'm going to thank God for sending Jesus 
to die that we might be set free from sin. That's what I'm going to do. I'd like to ask our wonderful uh, young people at the back whether you might, after that, come and help us all by distributing the bread and wine if you're up for that. That would be really helpful. Thank you. I see some nodding heads. Thank you. Um, But before that, let's just take a moment to do this examination of ourselves and approach this thoughtfully and with intention.